This block is crazy because you have, to my immediate left, Abbott Kenny, which has voted the coolest block in America. Did you vote for it as the coolest block? No, hell no. <laughs> I knew it when it was West Washington when you couldn't walk down that motherfucker. Literally. And, and everybody from Venice know what I'm saying. When you couldn't walk down West Washington, when the Venice Team Post days, when Showline ran Venice Team Post, and, like, you had the White House with V13, and, like, there was there was no, like, police presence. There was no, like, random strolls down to the neighborhood. There was none of that. It was, like, from from electric, from, from Abikini, I'm going to call West Washington, from Washington to, to, to Venice, to Lincoln, to Rose, was locked down. That was all Oakwood. Everything was shut down. You couldn't go through there. I went to school in Samo, couldn't wear my damn Samo hat through Venice walking home because I played on the baseball team. Hello and welcome to Here in LA, Venice edition. Today we talk to Anthony Brewster, third generation Venice native who everyone calls Brew. You may have seen Brew behind the keyboards at the ESPYs, where he's the musical director and has been for five years. You may also have seen and heard him play in the bands of Jack White, The Untouchables, Fishbone, Eka Mouse, Horny Toad, Louis Seidel, Jada Pinkett, and Dilated Peoples. He also makes the music for many of your favorite Netflix commercials in his production studio, House of Vibe. We'll talk about the Hollywood stars that he went to high school with, how he began playing music, how he stays so damn thin and handsome, and where a man can get soul food on the west side. We are in the patio of the studio of Anthony Brewster. Is that your government name? That's my government. That is my government. I'm an Anthony also. How are you? Nice. Yeah. I don't know if it really works with black folk. No, no. That's why it's just brew. Now brew. It's just brew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brew, do you live in Venice? Uh, I grew up in Venice, right there, uh, 800 Brooks. Born and raised in Venice? Born and raised. Are your folks from Venice, too? Yeah. What? Grandparents. What? Yeah. So you're third generation? Yeah. Third generation Venice. Yes, sir. So if you did you go to Samo High then? I went to Samo. I went to John Adams in Samo. Mom's wasn't having it. She was like, "You're going to school in Santa Monica and taking music." Well, I mean, but you could almost ride your bike there, right? This is closer than Venice High, though. N- no, they're about the same. Oh, like, really? I, yeah, I'm right. It's funny. I'm right in the middle. So like Brooks is, you make a right. It's same. Just yeah, probably Venice is a little closer, but you know, it's the same shit. It's just one straight line on a bus. And your mom knew that the music program was better at Samo? Yeah, and my grandfather was the music teacher, and then he became counselor, so. Well, then there's no question. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you're going to school in Santa Monica. They put me on fucking tuba, man. <laughs> <laughs> at how old? I was, I was like 11, 12, you know, seventh, seventh grade. So it was like. Can an 11-year-old play know, the tuba? Dude, so nobody knew I lived in Venice. And see, that's the messed up part. Just nobody knew I lived in Venice, so I like I'm catching the bus from John Adams with a tuba. <laughs> it shit was horrible. So that, like, honestly, no real talk. That the 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 second day of my eighth grade, I was like, look, we're having a meeting with the band teacher, my grandfather, and my mom, and I told him I'll run away. I don't want to do music anymore. 
and and my grandfather went out and bought me a trumpet that day. Did you did you fall into playing trumpet? Was it easy for you? I fought music, man, all like junior high and high school. I really did. You just fought because, against it. Just because I was made to do it. Like I, I could I could play piano because I taught myself piano as a kid, and I was playing piano. You know, we had a piano at home. My mom was a piano player. Whole family played piano, whether it was church or or whatever else. So it was like piano was just a staple in the home. You know what I mean? So like, oh, everybody plays piano, right? You know it's it's a mean? normal it just, thing. Yeah, it was just a normal thing. So, you know, piano was, I couldn't write songs on trumpet. I couldn't mm -hmm. write songs on tuba. You know what I mean? I could play a song and sing it on piano. So it was like, you know. What kind of songs were you singing when you were a young man? Uh, man. Same shit I listen to now. Michael Jackson, uh, James Brown, old school shit. I'm old school. How old are I'm you? Like, I'm 55. Okay, so we're the same age. Yeah. My first concert was the Jackson 5. Yeah, that was one of mine. Ed and Prince right here at the Civic. You saw Prince at the Santa Monica Civic? Yeah. This one, he was back on top of the speaker back then. Doing the whole, yeah. Like, was he Prince then? He was Prince then. He's always been Prince. 20 years old, whatever he was. He's always been Prince. You knew it? I knew it. Like, something different about this dude. Something different about this dude. Obviously, the Jackson 5, you know, all your idols as far as, like, the soul and the R&B growing up, you know. Even, you know, we're older, so, like, Temptations, even all that stuff, you know what I mean? Just because of the steps and, you know. So, yeah, I, I was I was always old school, old school music head. Tell me what it was like um, to be in high school in the early 80s in Santa Monica as a black man. Was it was San, was Samuel High diverse back then? Yeah. I mean, I would say it was. I, 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 my particular year of high school, which is 81 through 83, like, we didn't know what we were in. We were in some shit, but we didn't know. I mean, like, my group of kids, it was like, like, I played baseball with Charlie Sheen. Right. You know, was friends with Chris Penn. Like, was being Holly Robinson were friends. It was like Karen Parsons, Fresh Prince. She was me and her were cutest in junior high school together. You know, so it was like the normal shit. We, like, Charlie was still Charlie Estevez. He wasn't Charlie Sheen. So, like... He just had a hell of a knuckleball. You know what I mean? And he was a dope-ass pitcher, and we played baseball together. But we, I had a high school band, and we used to play parties for his dad, hmm. Martin Sheen. So that's how we got to know the whole little Malibu. You know, so then, like, Dean came along. Dean came, and, you know, so... And nobody was acting back then. They were, you know, we were just all in school doing our, you know, doing our shit. Like, Robert Downey Jr. went to class 83. It was, it was like, Samo in the 80s was, was gnarly because it was all the actors that are, like, doing shit now at the top of their game, and it was it was crazy. And they all got famous after high school. All got famous after high Except school. Except maybe Sean Penn, maybe. Was... Sean, well, I mean, Sean is older. Uh-huh. So I had just, I had just missed Sean, so I went to school with his, his brother was on the wrestling team, so all the sports people knew each other. Because he was a bigger guy you know, Chris. I, I played I played baseball and basketball, so, yeah. And Chris was a wrestler, so, you know, in the locker room, you just... Know everybody who's doing everything, especially if they're at the top of their game. He's like one of the best wrestlers in the school. So, where did uh, Samuel High kids go to party when you were in school there? Because I moved here in 1984 as a 17-year-old, and I went to Santa Monica College, and I used to dance at 321, which was 321 Santa Monica Boulevard, which I think now is a Hooters. And um, bro, you used to see my band there. Who was your band? Eight Ball. 
Eight Ball was my band. We were one of the main bands at fucking three, two, one. I swear to God. And then that's where like we met Fishbone. That's where we met like Untouchables. Because yeah. it was like mostly like Sky and like K Rock. You it, know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And now I grew up in Illinois, so I didn't know anything about that music until I got here. Yeah. And it was foreign. It was beautiful. I mean, hearing that first Smith song for the first time was incredible. I mean, it was like. It it was like. You know, thumbing through an import section at a record store. Yeah. You know, music you'd never heard of and from the future. I mean, because New Wave at the time kind of felt like the future. But then I ended up working at Licorice Pizza on Wilshire in West L.A. Yeah. Meeting Fishbone. And I remember the that first Fishbone record coming out right around the same time that that first Red Hot Chili Peppers came out, produced by George Clinton. And even though it was mostly white people working at that record store... We were all like, Fishbone's going to be the biggest band in the, day, the whole damn world. Is that how you felt when, when you first heard them? Nah, because I was in the Untouchables. <laughs> Who were also cool. So, you know, I had my own uh, ego to worry about. You, know? you were in the Untouchables? Yeah, that was my, that was my band after 8-Ball, right what? out of high school. Yeah. You were playing keyboards for the Untouchables? Like, yeah, keyboards, like all that What's Gone Wrong single. That's, free Yourself. That's it, yeah, Free Yourself, Wild Child, What's Gone Wrong, all that, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. So then I played in Fishbone later. Well, how did you but, hook up with, with the Untouchable guys? Playing in 8-Ball. So 8-Ball, the Untouchables, Chili Peppers, Fishbone. Used to, and a couple couple other, other, other bands from L.A., used to do you know we always used to team up and just do gigs together it'd be five bands on a bill you know what i mean and then whoever was the what what the, a the bill biggest, oh it was all the time like literally all so that's how no doubt came into the scene because the untouchables we used to let them open up for us all the time and we used to play riverside all the time so mm -hmm. we'd let them open up you know what i mean fishbone would let them open up so then so then it became a package it was it was uh uh chili peppers fishbone no fishbone chili peppers untouchables Right, that would always be the package because uh, Untouchables were the first band to get signed, basically. Mm. So, from that, no doubt we put in front of the whole bill. And then we put Gallagher at the end of it. And we used to do that as a crazy package and go do like Irvine Meadows and like all these crazy places. Gallagher the watermelon guy? Yeah, we, <laughs> he would headline doing fucking comedy. It was like, but see, that was back in the day when like the genres didn't matter. Right. You know, I wasn't going to a hip hop show. I was just going to a dope ass concert. That's right. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to a rock concert. I wasn't going to a R&B concert. I was just going to a concert and there's going to be like the Untouchables, the Colts and, and, uh, and what show did we do? We, it was, it was us, the Colts and, uh, oh, like candy. Oh, we cameo. You know, and like we're kids fucking backstage in Cameo's dressing room eating all their fucking food. And he's like, man, you got to do what it takes to me. You got to do what it takes. And I'm like, man, look, I'm just I'm trying to eat the fucking food right now, bro. Like anyway, was Sublime in this at all? Uh... Sublime was there. They were in their whole like Long Beach world. Mm -hmm. They were. Yeah, they were doing that. That whole shit. So it was like more like Sublime, Suicidal, No Mercy, um, that whole world of like the little bit more hard hard edge shit, you know what I mean?
know what's interesting though is I drove Uber for about five years uh, after my regular job. For one reason was it was just cool to see every single neighborhood of LA and see how they worked. Even in gated communities at the top of Beverly Hills, no kids riding bikes. No, we had big wheels back in the day. Yeah, yeah, no big a, wheels, yeah. no roller skating, no skateboard in front of your own house. Even if you're behind two gateds, two gates. Yeah. And I was like, is this just a, a culture thing at this point now? Because it can't even be about safety in, in, in that neighborhood, right? Look, that's again, we go back to the technology. You know what I mean? It's just like PS5 is a mug. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Xboxes, woo! The graphics, <laughs> you know. All these kids are gaming now. It's like it's so uh, I can be in my room in, instead of actually riding a bicycle down Ocean Boulevard. I'm gonna play a video game with me riding a bicycle. That's right. Yeah, straight Isn't that up. a little crazy. Hey, NFT, right? Isn't that, what, is that, isn't that where we're at now? So, do you have? Uh, are you are you like how your grandparents and your mother was about music for your ch children? Like they've got to play. Like it's it's not even a question. No, I, I mean I can't say that I. W the rule in our family was the oldest was always made to take m music, and I was the oldest. So you know, next was my son, and and, and both of my sons started doing music, but. You know, they got to high school and wanted to play football and sports and, you know, friend influences. So I wasn't going to be that parent to, like, make them take music if they were interested, you know. But then my four daughters, they they love it. They they know from day one, out of the womb, they want to be musicians. So I kind of don't have to worry about that. Like, you know, I got one daughter who, who is I'm out of doing live shows and, and commercials with me so she's getting paid from that I got another my 15 year old has a single coming out like next week I think it is or so now a lot of actors uh, who make it big say that they don't want their children in that business doesn't sound like you're like that no because I mean even compared to back then and now it's different you know what I mean I mean you can be your own business you know, you can like I think the record company is dead. Sorry, record companies, but I think the record company is dead. Like the concept of like, yo, like, okay, is your is is your record done? Is are the songs written? Is it mastered? You got pro dope producers on it. You got the dope musicians. You know, what are your live shows doing? What are your what are your numbers? What are your, what's your Instagram? What's your following like? Okay, you got videos out. Okay, you got your you got your mastering done. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll put you out. I'm like what? He's already out. You know, they, I'm like, if I did all that, all I gotta do is just, you know. What does the label say that they can do for these people nowadays? I mean, it's always about distribution and anything. You know what I mean? But, but like, you but know, back streaming. then you were you were developed as an artist. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. back then when the Untouchables were signed, we had like Jerry Dammers from the Specials coming in. You know what I mean? I mean, Fishbone had George Clinton. You know, you you had like these dope producers that like knew what they were doing and had tr i mean my my first lessons in 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 the untouchables from from was not was don was don and david was and it was like i'm at their house like this 17 year old kid like shaking their head like and i didn't know who the hell they were 
You know what I mean? I got Pee Wee and, 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 and you know, they're trying to tell me how to sing. And I'm like, I've only heard just, good things about the Was Brothers. Oh, they're dope. I mean, they're dope. They're dope. I, again, like, it's one of those situations of like, ooh, I wish I knew that David and Don Was took me under their wing and were like, hey, kid. And you're in incredible shape. First of all, you look about 30. Hey. You're thin. Hey. I mean, like me, there's a little gray in there, but that's the only thing that, that yeah. tips you off about your age. Do you hike? No, man. I play basketball all the time. Okay. I played basketball before I got here. Okay. Yeah. For, I'm, I, I, I'm, for about how long a day will you play basketball for? Three hours. Yeah. These well, there you like, have it. These are 10 to 1. And you don't have an Apple Watch on, so we don't really know how many steps you're getting in no, when you're playing this Average games. about seven miles, because my son runs with me, and he runs with his Apple Watch, mm. and so we're running about seven miles a day. So. Is this half-court basketball? No, full court. Full court. Where do you play? Uh, right here in Santa Monica at the Twin Towers, right there right on the beach. Most beautiful place in the world. It is beautiful. Yeah. Do you ever play in the Venice uh, basketball? I used to, but too much arguing down there. Yeah. It's just too much. They put the bleachers there. That ruined it. That ruined it. Everybody's trying to show out. Nobody's trying to win. And it ain't about your crossover, bro. Make a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you have a crossover? I got a crossover and a shot. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. What kind of shot's your shot? Uh, I'm a three-point shooter. From the side? Anywhere. Top of the key? Anywhere. They can't get you? Anywhere. How's your left hand? Anywhere. Left hand is nice. That fan is nice. My whole game is nice. For real. Pat Riley would like to know, how's your defense? My defense? You know, I reach. I reach. <laughs> you know, you, you beat me that play. But you Do know. you call fouls when you're out in the street? Not a lot. Not a lot. Only when I'm, when I'm hurt. Like, if you hurt me, I'm calling foul. But other than that, you know, I'm going to call your foul for you. Like, if I foul you, I'm going to call foul. There you, you know go. I mean? But but uh, I try not to call. It just slows up the game because whatever's happening and whatever you did probably didn't affect whatever the outcome is about to be, if that makes any sense. Like if I'm going by you and you find, foul me as I'm dribbling past you, then I'm still going to just dribble past you. So it's just. And one. And one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your production uh, company is called House of Vibe. House of Vibe Productions, yes. Talk to me about Vibe. Uh, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? Um, I think that is is sometimes people get, well, I'm going to start at the beginning. You know, it's not about the perfect song. It's not the, about the perfect performance. You know, it's about the perfect vibe. So, like, no matter what that song is, no matter what that feeling is, like, we've had people come in on an air saxophone, I swear to God, and hop in with the regiment horns on a solo trade-off. And it's literally like Leon. 
go to the girl. <laughs> Nothing. Crowd fucking going crazy. <laughs> See, that's a vibe. They didn't hear any notes. That was the vibe. And so it's creating those moments. It's those moments. It's our, it's therapy. It's it's you know all the musicians happen to be dope. All the people that we play with happen to be dope. You know what I mean? But it, it's it's not about that in the beginning. You know what I mean? It's well, and, and also that freedom. That's why you play your life, right? I, I, that's why I do. I, I can't speak for all. You know what I mean? Like I've played in groups where. The parts are the parts. The regimen is the regimen, and that's how it is. That's how it's played. No variation of it, and you know, and it's still it's still great. But at the end of the day, for me, you know, making a choice, you're going. Well, am I going to do that for me, or am I going to do that for you? If I'm doing that for you, then I'd rather do this for me. You know, and that's the freedom of our style of music. You know, is it hard to? Um to get that live vibe where the audience is reacting with you in the studio. Yeah. I mean, I, it's different. It's different. I mean, energy is everything. You know what I mean? Like we've in the ironically in the last couple of years because of COVID, we've gotten used to doing a lot of live streams. Mm. So, it's a different it's a different connection. Even me just talking to a crowd that's not in front of me, but I know you hear me, you know, like, so, so it's, it's for, you know, just reflecting that in a different kind of way, because it's, 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 you're not going to say a funny joke and hear somebody laugh, you know, so, okay, what's the, what's the approach now? Okay. So, you know, and then, which I think gave us the, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but it, the the little push to to stretch musically because we can't do it with me me dancing in front of you. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if you're dancing in your living room because I can't see you. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's you know it's just a different kind of trust, different kind of different kind of energy. You know, what's the difference between the Venice vibe and the Santa Monica vibe today? Money? No, actually, I can't even say that because it's fucking evening up. I don't know, man. There, I guess there ain't much difference, except for like, you know, more people now in Venice because of your roots than you do in Santa Monica because the people that are in Santa Monica are there or were from Santa Monica have now left, so it's all like new folks. I feel like when you were in high school at Samo High, Venice had an undisputable edge to it. Yes. Which there's still some elements of it in Venice. Meanwhile, ain't no edge in Santa Monica anymore. No, and you know, Santa Monica Police Department is a hell of a drug. Like, Santa Monica Police Department doesn't, they, they, they're, they're their own, you know, they're their own district, just like Culver City. You know, they're not like LA Unified or they're not LA District. So it's just like Pacific Division and, and, and West LA, you know, they're like, real laid back oh santa monica's no, no I, I say pacific division and, oh, and LA, lapd right. is, is, is to me more laid back than santa monica culver city will pull you over and be the first to tell you off record yo bro 
You know we ain't got shit else to do. I, I've been told that. I got pulled over twice in Culver City. I promise to God on my soul. Twice in three weeks in a drive-thru. Paying for food. Paying for food. Cops come by, see us. I was like, dude, they're about to pull us over. In the drive-thru. They wait for us to pull out of the drive-thru and then hit their lights and pull us over twice. Which, which, and, which and I'll be specific. Me and Tony Tarasco, who is the... the <coughs> Excuse me, one of the homies I grew up with and like coming home from gigs, you know, he's a professional baseball, ex-baseball player. He's a coach now. But it's just like, dude, I'm, I'm with a professional baseball player and like I'm coming home from a gig like in Jack in the Box and 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 I know that Jack in the Box on Sepulveda. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sentinella, the one here on Sentinella in, oh, in, in Washington. Yeah. And, but then the uh, at when it was Del Taco right here on, on, on Lincoln in Washington. And it's just like. Twice in three weeks. Twice. Did you tints on your windows or something? No. No. Just two black dudes in a car wow. at, at 2.30. Wow. Literally. And the dude told he got into a conversation with, with my buddy because they played baseball together. Then the other cop was asking his buddy, why is your buddy so tense? Like, man, because I got pulled over in a fucking drive-thru. <laughs> what do you mean, why am I so tense? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm hungry and my food's getting cold, bro. <laughs> So, anyway. Okay, so you're at the ESPYs now, and all the, I mean, you got football players, but every, everybody's there. Yeah. And you get to play your own music. I mean, talk about freedom. That must be incredible. With my friends. Who's giving you this kind of permission and freedom? Uh, Jeff Smith, the executive producer. He is, uh, I, I've known him for, man, almost 30 years. So it, it was a situation where... Um, was he at one of the record labels that you were working for? No, he, he was actually the tour manager for Hootie and the Blowfish. And, and we, we toured with Hootie and the Blowfish. And Who I toured with friends. them? I was with Dave Wakeling and the English Beat and Rankin what? Roger back then. Yeah. So we toured with Hootie. Hootie ended up taking a liking to us and then literally just like, get on the bus. And like we went on tour for like five months after not even playing a note. They just pulled it and like I met Jeff, hung out, and 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 uh, we, we just all became friends. We kept, became family with Hootie. It's crazy. We've been year, friends for like years now. Which which brings me back to that old saying that they used to say about Hollywood. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's who you know. You knew, your yeah. who was Hootie. My who was Hootie. <laughs> I was hanging out with Hootie. People were like, what? Because of the English yeah. beat. No, like... Everybody, the whole crew, like the crew, the band, everybody's just, they're just dope as fuck. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was always a cool experience. They showed me how to, like, do business right. Which, which, which are you talking about? Hootie and the Blowfish. Like, Hootie was doing like, it right from the road. Like, because, like, okay, they had... 
they had a reliable crew who were also their friends who were also responsible for them you know what i mean so it was a, it was a two-way streak like even when darius did his solo stuff he would take the exact same crew so that everybody could keep working you know what i mean like people don't do that shit. they don't you know like, i'm getting away from everybody like i'm going solo like they they're just all they're all family you know what i mean then they go back and do they do their hoodie stuff and like you know they 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 taught me how to like separate church from state you know what i mean and like really understand like the big part of like what it is to like be responsible for your shit that you're responsible for so 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 you get this gig and he's like i mean does he really say play whatever music you want I prefer your original music, is what he says. It has to be original music because, because of rights and stuff. Yeah, because of rights. So, so yeah, that was a selling we, point that you had your we, own music. We got to, yeah. I mean, and he 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 was like, "Dude, this is your gig as long as you want it." How and long I, have you done it for? It's been five years now, maybe. Wow. Yeah, and then even before that, like my friends were doing it the previous five six years before that like fish has been doing it for the last you know 12 years or so i guess i'm never paying attention to the drummer of the espies yeah that's fish <laughs> <laughs> which which brings me to another adage about la it's a small town yeah yes it's dude this, i tell people that shit all the time i swear i tell people that all the time especially people who aren't from here you know what I mean? We have friends that like aren't from here and they come here and like, like with all due respect, I can't hear about your complaint about something that we've dealt with here our whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, clubs in Hollywood suck? Yeah, no shit. Pay to play? Yeah, no shit. Why do you, like, you think we don't play them? Now why do you think we're looking for like 14 below in the Temple Bar? And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why. So, you know, but then people sell out and want to do those gigs and, and play those and then not make no money and then complain about them. And like now L.A. has a bad rap. Now it's L.A.'s fault. Now it's like, <laughs> OK, all right. Who is your favorite people uh, that you met at the ESPYs? Mm. Dr. J. Dr. J, hands down. He was the man back in the day. Dr. Now, now J, that's bro. a guy that nobody talks about nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. And it's sad because they'll talk about him when he dies. Yeah. Which is my problem with Pete Rose and some of these other people. Don't don't honor them after they're dead. Dr. J is a coach in the big three. <laughs> he is. He's a coach in the big three. He's one of the coaches in the big three, dude. <laughs> This is why I watch the big three. They got like, it's crazy. They got like Oakley. They got like Gary Payton. They got like, damn, bro, we should watch y'all. Like, okay. Where'd you meet your wife at? I met my wife over a friend's house. Uh, I was mixing a song for him, and she was visiting from 
from Boston and uh, came over and it was her birthday. And shit, I met her that night and we've been together ever since. Love at first sight. Uh, n- <laughs> no. I mean, there's a long, there's a long ass story that goes with it. You know, like, like for me, just full disclosure, like I was coming out of like a 14 year marriage. Like I was playing with like Jada, playing with Fishbone, playing on the BET live show, just bought a fucking half million dollar house in the Valley, had my two sons from previous marriage and, you know, Make a long story short, 9-11 changed everything. Really? I was supposed to be on that flight. Me, no. Fish, yeah, we were on tour with Reese with uh, Third Eye Blind. So, so Flying to New so, York? So September 10th, we're in Dallas Airport, which is the end of our tour. In we D.C.? Have, we have eight e-tickets to fly to, back to the house. They tell us the tickets are canceled. We can put you on fucking Flight 77 out of fucking Dallas and fly to... And blah, 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 blah. It stops at 930, stops in Texas, and then flies to... And true story, God and fish as my witness, I said, yo, dog, I ran out of weed. (laughs) I don't want to sit on standby. I mean, I'd rather sit on standby. I don't want to stay in D.C. another night. The weed is shitty. (laughs) I don't want to hang in another go-go club. And and, And fish was like, well... I, I just had a baby. He had just had a baby, so he was like, I'm trying to get back to the house now. So me, him, Tony Tarasco, and the sound man, uh, dude Kez, sat on standby. So the artists, Reese, Corey Smith, those two, and the two background singers caught a, a train back to New York. So we know they're going to New York. We're sitting on D- you know, in, in D.C., <laughs> waiting to get on standby we were the last four to get on standby september 10th get home I'm like oh it's late i'm gonna sneak in bed and my girl's gonna wake up and i'm expected tomorrow and i'm gonna be here already and she's gonna be happy as fuck and it's gonna be dope so then you know wake up and the tv's on and tower's on fire and you know i'm just waking up but i can't see it i'm looking and saying damn the tower's on fire you know and and uh Show the replay of the plane hitting. Oh, what the fuck? And right, and and my girl, she's fucking has my tennis, she's shaking, right? And she's not saying shit, right? So I know it's serious, right? So they show the second plane, pow. And they show the replays, pow. So I fucking call Corey on the phone, the manager, because where they went is to the Embassy Suites, which is right across the street from the Twin Towers. So now I'm watching it on TV. I know he's right across the street. The tower collapses and my phone disconnects. My now ex-wife freaks the fuck out. So now we're not together. Long story short, now I'm going into deep depression. I don't want to do any music. I don't want to play with this. I don't know, no fishbowl, no band, no music. How survive? I'm I'm done with this shit. And so three years later, my boy asked me, "Dude, just come over and mix a song. You don't you don't need to you don't need to play a note. Just mix it. Just put on headphones and mix a song in the corner." So reluctantly, I go over there. 
put on the headphones. 30 minutes later, this chick sitting on the couch. He's like, yo, bro, now we can go party. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> so my wife is sitting on the other couch. She goes, come here. She goes, listen, it's my birthday. I don't want to be here any more than you do. Why don't we just hang out and just keep each other company? And I was like, all right. And then I told her my name. And then finally she was like, all right, all right, cool. You know, and then we just started hanging out. And, like, I just I just developed this trust, man, this, 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 this love. Because she eventually found out what I was going through mentally what i'd been through so she she knew of all of my music and she's like i'm not sweating you i'm just care for you i'm here for you and it just that relationship just nourished and i just loved her forever for that you know what i mean and and, and she's the one who like eventually got me back into music you know but when i you know when i so when i came back i was like okay i'm not gonna do it the way i used to do it because you know before it was like shit it was it, drummer fishbone bass player for you know we had folio bass but bass player for miles davis i got the guitar player for erica badu i got the keyboard player for beyonce got macy grace horn section got like dave hollister and like Sam patterson and charlie tuna from jurassic five and like you know what i mean like that was the band of the house of like all stars it was like you had to be an all-star <laughs> you know so then when we came back to this shit it was like Oh wait, what happened? You, 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 you hit somebody with a folding chair that was tripping with your daughter. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna fuck with you. Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you, 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 your mom died, and you, and you, and you wanted, to, you wanted to quit music, and 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 you have. To, okay, cool. All right, so you, you, uh, you, you're, you're gay, and then the, you feel like the church is denouncing you, and you feel like God doesn't love you. No, I'm fucking with you. Come here. You know what I mean? And so that's the way everybody was chosen. You know, and that's like the current band now. It wasn't about like the accolades. It wasn't about the resume. It wasn't about like the all-star part of the all-stars anymore. So that's that's where, you know. Has that worked out? Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh my God. Let's uh, let's wrap up with food. I don't know of any soul food on this side of town. No, nope, they fact, took all used... that shit. They took Uncle Daryl's. They took Aunt Kizzy's. They took everything. Maryland Crab House used to be over here on Pico. I mean, the closest thing you're gonna get to soul food is just right here at the corner, which is uh, Blues Barbecue. Is it okay? Baby Blues. Baby Blues is fire. You know, okay. it's, it's a little expensive, but it's fire. You know, it, it's. Uh, but you can't get like, you ain't gonna get no fried catfish. You know, Why not? You get some grilled catfish. You ain't gonna fry. It's hard to get some fried catfish on this side of damn Sepulveda. It's crazy. But but here's what's crazy to me about it. Okay, I understand. We are the minority on the west side, black people. We are the minority. But white people do like soul food if it's packaged right. Yeah. If you put up if you put up a Roscoe's over here, there'd be a line. You can go find some shit at Fox Hills Mall. But but I'm saying over here. Hey, yeah. Because they're not gonna go to Fox Hills Mall. See, isn't that crazy? Because as a West Sider, you just learn to claim further shit as your own. 
So like Fox Hills is like, all right, all right, fuck it, that's West Side. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Cover City Projects. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, we, soon they're gonna claim Inglewood. But but here's what I'm saying though. Again, and maybe maybe we're to blame. Maybe black people are are, are to blame. Cause it's just packaging. It's just marketing. Who doesn't like fried chicken? Yeah. Who doesn't like mashed potatoes and macaroni yeah. and cheese? We have and, we have Featherstones here on Abbey but then they they may think they made that a yogurt shop or some shit. It's called Fetish Stones. Featherstones. 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 Yeah, it, it was a barbecue spot my buddy had there. But like the closest thing again is gonna be Baby Blues right here. You know, our soul food is like Gilbert's and La Cabana. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're Mexicans around here, bro. Like it's. You ain't getting no soul food. We're, I'm, 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 I'm straight Latino. All my kids are Latino, speaking fluent Spanish. No, real talk. They're really speaking Spanish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I sent them to immersion school, so they're like, they're, they're, they're all fluent in Spanish. That's the way it like, ought to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, more than half of the people here are Hispanic. Yeah. Or Latino. I don't know which yeah. one to say. I think either one is fine. Okay. You know. That's good that your kids know. I mean, I know French. What, what's that going to do for me? I mean, Nothing. You'll do, you'll, you'll do good with some French, though, in the restaurant world. <laughs> my, my wife speaks French, you know. Why did Featherstones not work on Abbott Kinney? I think the block just turned around and it just got, it, it, it got. Talk about a mall. It got, yeah. That seems like the Third Street Promenade I mean, to me. You said it, they got fucking Mad Men's on Abbott Kinney now. I'm like, really? Well, since like, you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, dude, this shit's whack. Listen. We're old school around here as far as like it, nothing was broke. Like the, the, the underground railroad was working just fine. You know what I mean? So now you want to come and bring your little trains on the block and then like charge me extra to get on your fucking train for the, for the same ride? Like, nah, nah. Because nah. once you had your hookup. You're not even community based. You no. know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. You're not community based. You're not community based. So it's just like. And they promised that. That was the thing. Yeah. Don't no, promise it. Don't buy no damn seventy-five dollar eighth, bro. Because right, you, you say it has whatever. It's like it ain't gonna be no higher than fucking. You know what I mean? I was just, oh shit! This shit get, got me high for two days. Do you? Like, do you? No, I ain't never smoked no weed like that. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Do you remember what eighths cost when you were in high school? When I was in high school, like. Well, they were like 20, 20 bucks, 25 bucks. Was it good? No. 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 How much was the good weed? The good weed was like 40 bucks. Okay. 30, 30. No, I remember 30. <laughs> and then I remember it was like, it went to 35. And I was like, yo, man, that shit go to 40, bro. I'm going to stop smoking. Like, yo, I, I remember that. Like, yeah, if it goes to 40, bro, I'm done. Oh, for, 40 bucks? All right, here, here, man, here, here. I was in college in UC Santa Barbara, and I wrote an opinion piece called Don't Pay $40 for an Eighth. Yeah, see? Because if, if we all don't. Yeah, exactly. Talk it's, about the Underground Railroad. It's only, yeah. It's so, funny. Value is just whatever the hell you say it is. Well, it's a black market. Yeah. So we, we determine the price. Yeah. Right? So here's. Here's what I'm leading up to. Can you believe you can still buy forty dollar eights? Yeah. And and they're better than the forty dollar eights yeah. of the eighties. Oh yeah. What else exists in the world that is better at the same price 
as the 80s. Yeah. Maybe bass guitars. Now the Fender Rose. Keyboard. You can get a Fender Rose back to like $300. Back then. Now it's like, oh, $5,600, $7,500, yeah. $8,000 for a B3, $10,000, $12,000. You're like, yo, thanks, D'Angelo. <laughs> thanks, bro. <laughs> thanks, Beck. Is there anything that you uh, want to say about Venice that we haven't delved into yet? Man, people ask me where I live, bro. I tell them I live at the end of the rainbow. Take the 10 west, make a left. Like, it's, it is the most beautiful place on earth. I've traveled the earth. Literally the <laughs> earth. I've traveled the earth. And there's just no place. And it's, it's not because of the buildings. It's because of the people. Yes. You know, it's because of the people. So those same people have to pass down that same mentality. You know, that's, 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 that's community. That's love. That's like, you know, that's my whole thing about God. Like, okay, if God is love, if I'm showing you love, then aren't I showing you God? You know, so, so that's what my grandparents taught me living here. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't even about the diversity for me because like, I was the only black kid, you know, my, my, on my mom's side, my, my grandfather was Filipino. So he was the mm. only Filipino man in Venice. It was all Mexican and black. And then this little Filipino man. So everybody knew me because fucking, I'm the dude who had the Filipino grandfather. I had the good hair. And I'm like, okay. I ain't got no fucking good hair, but okay. You know, so it's, it's about like remembering that, like, like what Venice is, you know what I mean? And, and, and what it's about, bro. Cause because it's, it's, it's there's a lot of heritage and there's a lot of history and people are trying to like wipe it off the map and like make it all of these other beach towns. And it's just like, you know, for that corporate gain. And it's like, that's whack. You know what I mean? They're just, there's so much from, from Venice and Santa Monica, you know what I mean? Like POP and fucking Santa Monica pier and even the Venice pier and just the circle, Venice circle, the Venice canals, like all of that shit, all that shit is like historic. You know, and it's like there, there, are, there are people that are connected to all of that. You know what I mean? And some of those people still have family that are, that are still here, trying to like live in the changes. You know what I mean? And and it's it's just, you know, it just has to remain community. You know, twenty years from now, what will Venice look like? It's gonna look like Santa Monica. It's gonna look like Santa Monica. You know what I mean? You got movie stars moving here now. Some of my friends, you know what I mean? They're, they live buying houses on the canals. You got damn president's kids that are buying houses on the canals. You can't go down there. With, you got to get through Secret Service to go fucking walk on Venice Canals now. It's like, so it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's different, you know? Let's go back to square one. Let's just make some goddamn good music venues. You know what I mean? And start with some community there. Like, that's where we all used to hang out and, like, see each other. You know what I mean? There ain't no more skating rinks. There ain't no more, like you know football games with schools against each other there ain't no block football games there you know everybody's on their video games like the only the only you know the community thing and the gathering is going to be through through music mm-hmm. you know the music and entertainment bro that's like that's where people come out you know they come out for sports but they fight at sports games you know they come out <laughs> to fight at sports games they come to music to fucking love and it's just that's like right. just come out and like get back to that you know I really appreciate you spending time with me today. Yes, sir. Got you, bro. Thank you, my man. Yeah. All right. Wasn't he great? 
You know who else is great? Our Patreons who warm our hearts. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a box of Girl Scout cookies. Here's a sack of Girl Scout cookies. Or here's my COVID relief check. I don't need it. Every dollar you flow our way goes right back into what you're hearing now. And it helps keep us and this insane project rolling. So shout out to our Patreon, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, and Ben Welch. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We've also started a new thing. You've heard of angel investors. Those are people who get in early and stoke a new venture. This just happens to be a new venture. We're calling this Angelinos. All of our angel investors are Angelinos. Be an Angelino. All you have to do is PayPal us 25 bucks or more, and we will list you in the Here in LA website forever. You will also be given a number to denote how early you got in to make this dream come alive. For example, Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two, George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Number four, Jason Souter. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you're broke AF, as the kids say? Well, you can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Tweet something nice about us. Kiss your girlfriend on the cheek and say, I love you almost as much as I love here in L.A. You can also just tell your friends. Tell them how here in L.A. is spelled and that it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google. Chicago just came flying out of me. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man with a mean crossover dribble himself, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Oregon and Jordan Katz. We are truly going to every neighborhood in LA. We have three more episodes to do here in Venice, then we're headed to historic Filipino town. If you know someone as cool as Brew in historic Filipino town, Tell them to write me at Tony at TonyPierce.com. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me to do this in Kim and Oz's backyard, Hootie and the Blowfish for showing Brew how it's done, and Jordan for introducing me to Brew. Go to our website, hereinla.com, for videos of Brew doing his thing in his studio using Outputs Arcade. And I filmed it all. Don't forget to vote!